Hello, hello, and welcome to Coffee and Confidence. It is gray, it is cold, cat is sleepy outside my office door. It's one of those days where you just don't want to do anything and you just want to sit at home and, well, I'm home. Most of us are home, but we don't get to sit (laughs) on the couch and not do anything and just, you know, curl up under a blanket. Do you guys remember those days? I don't think our kids would know this, but well, they don't experience this now. But like on those days where you had like a snow day or um, a teacher work day or one of those like Saturdays or Sundays where nothing was going on, you had no place to go and you would just binge watch TV, like whatever was on. It wasn't because you didn't have a whole lot of choice back then, right? So it was like, (laughs) why are you watching that movie? I don't know. It's the only thing that's on, right? How many times did we just sit around, you know, just one of those random days where the hours just go by? I remember, um, random thought, this has nothing to do with this (laughs) this topic, but if you know me, this is no surprise to you. Um, I remember we had a series, I think I was in sixth grade, if I remember correctly, and we had it like a multiple like 10 days of snow days it was like a ho- the horrible blizzard i think it was like 93 maybe i was in 6th grade i can't remember what year it was <coughs> excuse me so it was you know it was one of those extended periods where um and that year because we had so many snow days they actually kept us in school till like 4 p.m. um for the remainder of the year so that was fun but it was just one day into the next, into the next. And I'm, you know, only child. It's not like we could go anywhere, or do anything. I couldn't go to my cousins. I mean, you know, it was, Blizzard was bad. And at some point, I don't remember, I don't remember why. My room must have been cold, but I remember having this space heater and I was wearing socks and I had a little TV in my room and I would just watch um old reruns of shows just <laughs> like Andy Griffith and um Good Times I think that's the name of it right just random shows anyway today is one of those days where it t- kind of takes me back but i had something on my mind as i was actually getting some work done and going through some notes and this is kind of a spiritual food for thought um, but it relates to relationships and, um, I'm not sure what I'm going to title this podcast yet. And I typically speak first and then figure out what I'm going to title it later. But many of you are aware spiritually within your religion, or you just heard it, the, uh, the phrase fear of God or um, the wrath of God or whatever, something along those lines. Um, And what I remember when I was younger and as I was growing up, I couldn't understand um, the, the concept in Christianity of being fearful of God. I was like, well, that's not a good feeling. Um, 
if we're supposed to be connected to him and and feel close to him and and use his words and his messages as as a plan for our lives like why do we feel fearful i looked at it as a negative until i got older and i i realized that it's not fearful in a bad way it's fearful as we would feel about a parent now some people again could be legitimately fearful of a parent who abuses them or you know is in a really bad situation so i'm not talking about that but for those of us who were not in a bad situation growing up and grew up in a different generation and a different um mentality raising our kid or you know being raised things were different. You know, people got spanked, people got disciplined, uh, and you were spanked with multiple household objects. Um, nobody called abuse. You know, if somebody yelled at their kid, people minded their own business, right? Now everybody's all up in your business if you want to discipline your kid. Um, and in general, you know, I believe we had far fewer issues than we have today. I mean, uh, for sure we do. We did, you know. Um, I think kids and young adults and adults um, were far better off um, being raised the way they were as opposed to these days, you know, with all the progressive, um, you know, methods in parenting. You know, you could just go to any store and see an example of today's parenting and it's ridiculous. But in a in an you know a regular household, at least back when we were growing up, there was a certain healthy I'm using air quotes healthy fear of your parent. Your parents told you you had to be home by six p.m. for dinner. You wash up and sit down for dinner. If you knew you were out playing and you didn't keep track of the time and you came home late, you'd be in trouble. Right. So if you're out playing with your friends, you'd be like, oh, what time is it? What time is it? Oh, it was 530. Okay, I'm going to have to go soon. I'm going to have to go soon. Well, why? Why are you, you know, well, I don't want to get in trouble. Nobody wants to get in trouble. Nobody should want to get in trouble. Right. But that's a fear there. It's a concern. It's an anxiety. Right. It's a it's a worry. But it's healthy. It keeps you in line. You know where the boundary is. You know what's expected of you. If you go out of that boundary or that expectation, then what? Your parent is going to be disappointed in you. You didn't listen. You didn't respect them. You didn't follow the household rules. You were showing neglect, carelessness, and so on, right? So that's healthy. That's normal. We should all have that, right? You shouldn't speed because you don't want to get um, pulled over by the cops. You don't want to get a ticket. Why? Because that's a consequence and it's financial, right? Why should you have to spend 50, a hundred, 200 or more on a ticket, get dinged on your, on your record or whatever, um, for doing something that you shouldn't be doing. Number one, that it's not safe for you or others on the road. Um, but also that it's against the law and, you know, of course it is that way because it's dangerous and so on, right? So we have that fear. We don't want to get pulled over. Oh, wait. Oh, is there a cop? Oh, I got to slow down, right? 
So there's a healthy fear in many aspects of our life. But the thing that really hit a chord with me as I was thinking these things and I was kind of looking out the window at the birds and just kind of, I pause when I take notes and things like that, was that we don't often have this fear, healthy fear, with regards to our own relationships with a romantic partner. Now hear me this, hear me on this. Now, some of you go, oh, well, yeah, some people do. They fear their partner because their partner is a nag or she'll start screaming or she'll cause a fight, she'll cause a problem. Or he'll hit you, he'll, you know, do X, Y, Z. That's not a healthy fear. That's not what I'm talking about. Nobody wants that. That's not healthy. That's not good. Nobody wants that for anybody. What I'm talking about is knowing, again, the boundaries and expectations. And if you don't stick to those boundaries and expectations or or live life along, you know, aligning with those then what happens? Your partner gets disappointed. Well, well, I thought this is what you were going to do or this is how we do things and now you're not doing them. Well, I don't understand why you're letting me down. You're disappointing me. You're, I'm feeling discouraged, disheartened, whatever. Or your actions based on boundaries and expectations now are viewed as selfish, self-serving, or careless, which can lead to anger and frustration. And then things kind of build based on your actions and your partner's feelings. But if we have this healthy fear, we go, okay, well, oh shoot, it's like four o'clock he normally likes me to make that dessert for him and, but I got to get it in the freezer because I know after dinner, he's going to want it. And I didn't make it last night and he was okay with it, but I know he was kind of bummed out. So I don't want to disappoint him again. I'm going to make it. Is that a big deal? No, it's not a big deal. Again, you didn't make it the night before. He didn't scream and yell, but he just, he was bummed because He was looking forward to it, right? So he was disappointed. So tonight or this afternoon that it's not another conscious thought of yours to say, okay, I know the expectation of my partner. I, you know, life happened. I didn't make it yesterday. Not that big of a deal. And yet I saw his disappointment. Why would I repeat it again today? Because again today, I don't feel like it. Or because I want to serve my partner and make him happy. Because he does X, Y, Z that he may not feel like doing, but he does anyway to make me happy, to serve me. And you also have to, you know, though you're not keeping score and you shouldn't keep score, you do have those times where you go, you know what, I already let him down, but you know what, every time I ask and he's out, he'll grab me my favorite coffee or he'll pick up a sandwich for me or whatever. He'll he'll go out of his way to do that. He probably doesn't always feel like it, but he doesn't give me crap about it. 
He doesn't, you know, try to pawn it off and say, okay, I'll get you one tomorrow. Well, I don't want one tomorrow. I want one today, right? And that same thing goes for his favorite dessert. Well, I could wait until tomorrow. I'll make you one tomorrow. Well, I want one now, right? And so, yes, sometimes that happens in life. But why would you intentionally disappoint your partner or create some frustration for them when you don't have to, right? If I know in the beginning stages of a relationship that my partner has a sensitivity to a particular topic and he's explained it to me and we've discussed it, I know exactly what his expectations are, his boundaries, his reasoning, and all of that. If I continue to do the thing that he doesn't like or the thing that bothers him, or maybe I'm not continuing, maybe two years go by, and then all of a sudden that topic comes up, and I handle it the opposite of how he would prefer. Is he justified in his reaction? Not, you know, obviously abusive or crazy or anything, but is he valid? I mean, is he justified in being upset or frustrated or um, surprised or hurt that I would react in the opposite way that, that we've discussed? Yes, of course, he'd be justified. But if I know that already and the situation comes up, then I should have that fear of, oh, wait, I remember we talked about this at length. We discussed it. I know this is one of his hot topic, you know, hot button issues. This is a non-negotiable for him. And if I behave in XYZ manner, he's going to be 100% pissed off and I'm, and he's going to be 100% justified because he told me and I'm doing it anyway. How bad do I want to do that thing or react in that way or behave in that way? How bad? Do I want to hurt my partner? Do I want to ruin this relationship? All of these things have to be a process for us mentally. And again, it goes back to our spiritual faith too. If you know... I personally, you don't have to agree with me, um, but I believe religion serves a purpose. And I believe that every religion, there's a religion for certain types of people, right? And whether it's a cultural thing or people just gravitate towards one religion over another or um, a philosophy or ideology, whatever. I believe it's a plan, a guideline for a particular community of people who need hope, courage, direction, wisdom. Um, And if you look at all the main religions, that's what they are. They're telling you how to, you know, how best to live and treat others so that you can ideally prosper in life. So if we know these things, 
in the back of our minds as we go through daily life. Nobody's like, oh, you know, got the Ten Commandments running through their head constantly all day long, right? You know, thou shalt not steal, thou shalt not, you know. We don't do that in our minds, but we know we shouldn't steal. We know we shouldn't kill anybody. We know we shouldn't, 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 right? And so as we go through life, how many times do we know what we shouldn't say or do in our relationship and we do it anyway? And I've gotten better about this in the last couple of years in particular. I was in a relationship after my divorce um, for several years, well, a few years. And because we both had so much anger and frustration at the beginning, his was due to, you know, me not being with him 20 years prior. So he had a lot of resentment and frustration towards me. And I was coming off of divorce and, you know, expecting him to save me. Right. So we're both looking at the relationship going, why aren't you what I want? Right. Why didn't you give me what I needed when I wanted it, right? And we would fight dirty. Like we would go for the low blows. Not physically, just with words. And we got to, and we was just in a negative cycle, really a negative cycle. And we finally got to a point where we just said, you know what, we're, we're being really mean to each other. Um... And yet we keep coming back to the same point of we want to be together, you know, kind of thing. It's it, We couldn't not be together. We could not talk to each other, right? One person would always gravitate to the other. Like, it was just, if it wasn't me, it was him. Um, and so we got to the conclusion that we're just being mean. And why are you the worst to the person that you supposedly care the most about, right? And I actually... Um, a actress who had been married for 18 or 19 years at that time and she um was not you know of a particular age or anything she was actually you know in her 30s or whatever and she said you know I got married um in college or right after college or whatever it was and um and she said the reason why we get along so well, even, you know, amidst being in LA and New York and everything is she said, most people are nice to everybody else in their life. And when it comes to their partner, they come home and they dump all the crap on their partner, all the good stuff, the bad stuff. I mean, just dump it all on them because they expect that that person is supposed to love them unconditionally and accept them for everything. And so you treat that person the worst. You talk to them the worst. And you don't often realize how you're speaking to this person or how you're behaving or how you're, um, you know, navigating daily life with this person until you're on the outside looking in or until they start talking to you that way. And then you go, whoa, what was that? Why are you talking to me like that? Whoa, that's how you talk to me every day. Really? Well, I don't mean it like that. Well, I don't mean it like that, but how does it feel? And so when we think about a healthy fear, I want you to think about how you are in your current romantic relationship or how you want to be in your next one. 
boundaries and expectations. I mean, it's important to, to consider all of those things and to communicate those things because then you know. But like, for example, if you're a Christian, you know everything is laid out for you in the Bible. New Testament, Old Testament, in whatever version that, you know, makes sense to you. Some people like the King, King James. I like the NIV. You know, it is what it is. Whatever speaks to you, your heart and your mind, right? But the wisdom is there. Now, some of those things don't apply to current life. Just like in, in some cases in your relationship, your partner may say things that you may not agree with or, or set a particular expectation. Like for me, I happen to the last, yeah, well, my ex and um, last relationship I was in, uh, there's an issue with the dishes, I don't like dishes, hate dishes, bored to tears with dishes. I used to talk to my mom on the phone when I had to wash dishes when the kids were little because I would just get bored. I just, I didn't want to do it. It was such a tedious task and I didn't like the dishwasher. I feel like, you know, the dishwasher doesn't get it all clean. So, <laughs> I mean, I'll run the, you know, dishes in the dishwasher now, but back then I was like, I got to wash them by hand. And... So I would talk to my mom. And then when she passed away, I couldn't talk to her. And I would watch like YouTube videos, like, you know, makeup videos and stuff. And then, you know, at some point I was just like, I don't want to do the dishes at all. I don't want to watch anything. I don't want to do them. And my ex-husband and my ex-relationship, my ex-boyfriend, they both said the same thing. Oh, I don't like dishes in the sink. And I would go, okay, well, if you don't like dishes in the sink, then you wash them, right? It was one of those things where I was like, I do not care about the dishes. I don't care. I mean, I don't want them like half-ass washed and put in the drawer, but I, I, otherwise I don't care. Like I would be willing to go back in the utensil drawer and pull out the ones that you didn't wash correctly and wash those by hand than to have to do an entire sink myself. I don't care. Right? I don't like him. And so when I was married and my mom, I still had my mom, she would say, well, why don't you wait until, you know, two or three o'clock in the afternoon, right before your husband comes home and then start washing the dishes. And I go, oh, okay. Because when he would come home from work, he wanted to eat something right away and he wanted it, he liked to cook and stuff. And so he wanted the sink clean. Okay. So I started doing that. But then he would come home and he would see me washing the dishes and then he didn't like the way I was like washing knives and stuff, his knives. And so we ended up getting his and her stuff, which was ridiculous. But, you know, so it was like one thing after another. I could never really, you know, catch up with pleasing him. But the same thing with, you know, the ex-boyfriend, like, okay, the dishes. It's one of those things where you go... This is an issue for you. It's not an issue for me. However, if I want to have peace, then sometimes I will take upon the issue that is important to you and I will take it upon myself to follow through, right? And so when we look at religion or other areas of our life where we have to obey other rules, we go, this may not be a big issue for me. This may not be something that is so important to me that I want to hold on to it or that I'm going to obey this 100% or all the time or whatever. But because I do have a quote-unquote healthy fear, 
of the other party, I am going to abide by this or I'm going to obey this or I'm going to take this into consideration or that I'm going to behave in such a way that it doesn't hurt the other person. And I think this healthy fear is important. I want you to think about that. It might not always apply, but I think it's it's something to think about. Because when I think about the people in my life, not just romantic relationships, but, you know, a teacher that I really loved or um, a relative, an aunt, you know, somebody that I truly had a special connection with or a romantic partner. If you care about this person, you want to see them happy. You want to see them content. You want to see them at peace. You don't want them to feel like they need to scold you. You don't want them to nag you. You don't want them to look at you with disappointment and go, why'd you do that? I thought we talked about that. Why would you do that? You don't want to, why would you want that reaction from them? You want them to look at you with pride and admiration and love and happiness and peace. and That's what you should be for that person. It's not going to happen all the time. But if it's within your control and within your conscious mind and actions to do it, then why not? Just a little food for thought on this gray and dreary day. Thank you for taking the time to listen. I want you to feel confident in your relationship. I want you to feel all of those things. I want that for you. And so I want you to be that for someone else as well. Thanks for listening. I'll talk to you next time. Bye, guys.